name is Sherry Wilson, and I'm here to fill your ears with the best business content I can give you while you work out, commute, clean your house. Anything to help you work your biz like a boss. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Work Your Biz Like a Boss. I don't know if you'll be able to hear some music in the background, but if so, that is my father-in-law listening to some YouTube as well as practicing. He likes to play music, play guitar. But this episode might seem unrelated to business, but it's very much related to business and it's about grief. And it's the lessons I've learned and the things that I want to share with you uh, that I have learned about um, grief and how to process and walk through it while also maintaining your business and your life. Um, grief is never convenient, nor is it considerate. I mean, it shows up during vacations. It shows up in the middle of the largest increase in growth or project of your business. It shows up when you're getting married. It shows up when you're emptying your nest. So recently, grief came to visit my life, and like I said, I learned a few things from it, and I wanted to share it with you. Now, briefly, uh, this summer, specifically in the middle of June, I was finishing up one of the largest marketing campaigns I'd had so far in my business, and one of my favorites. It was for Dragon Maine, a local event that brings in thousands of people every year. I mean, we have a car show, we've got classic drive-in tours, we have lots of fun things to do as a community, as a family, and it culminates into a Dragon Main event, the final night like we used to do when we were kids in the 80s, and I had always wanted to be a part of it, and 2022 was a year that was invited, and I was so excited. Uh, my dad was excited for me. He was a hot rodder. He had a, uh, I think it was a 65, 66 GTO. Uh, he bought me a 70 Chevelle for graduation that I still have. I mean, you know, just cars and that whole thing is exciting for both of us. But at the same time, my dad was having what we would, I would just call a bad spell. Um, it was his third one, and he would get like super, super weak. And at the time, you know, that would happen. He would think that maybe he had a virus or something. In fact, he wouldn't let me into his house. I'd drop off groceries or things that he needed um, outside the door because he was afraid that maybe he had COVID or something like that. And I had been encouraging him for the past, you know, three years when those spells started to go see a doctor. I knew that something was wrong. My son had also encouraged him, my my uh, husband, but he was a Marine and they can be quite stubborn. And I also think that he thought he had cancer, which took out most of my grandmother's side of the family, including her. And I think it was like an avoidance uh, deal, which he did that, quite frankly, a lot um, as, as a person. Well, long story short, the day after the Dragon Main event was over, I just called an ambulance. I mean, he wasn't getting better. He didn't think he was going to make it. And then he even wanted then to wait till the next day. And I said, no, you're going to the hospital now. And so I called the ambulance. Uh, he was a, he was diagnosed basically with uh, gangrene and an infection in his um, private area. And it had a high mortality rate. So we didn't know if he, were, he was going to make it. And so I, you know, told him what was going on. And we hugged, we cried. And then he was airlifted to Lubbock, which is a town about 90 miles away. And, uh, so I had to make sure, you know, that he knew I loved him before he left. Cause I didn't know if I'd see him again. And the doctor saved his life. 
And uh, so fast forward a month later, you know, he had to go into a facility to keep caring for the wound. He wasn't quite out of the woods and there was a lot of work to be done that couldn't be done at, at, in a home environment. Well, I went to visit him and he wasn't feeling good. And I noticed his urine was like brown and long story short, he had a UTI, went septic and he died the next day. And it was just devastating. I mean, I'm a daddy's girl. He was my rock. I mean, he had his faults, but he communicated his love for me very well, for my son very well. And he was hilarious too. I remember going on the road with him each summer because he was a truck driver and he'd have me in laughing fits. And now he was gone. And quite frankly, I felt like an orphan. And plus I had tons of decisions that I had to make and I wanted to honor his wishes, you know, during the crisis, but also after and because I knew him well, and my son and I were his world, both of us made decisions we felt he'd want as far as, you know, services and things like that. But after the dust settled, I then had to go through not only his stuff, but my grandparents who died before him. Dad just didn't have the heart to go through his parents' stuff, and I get it. I didn't want to go through his either, and I didn't want to go through their stuff. I mean, it was one of the toughest and most crushing experiences I've ever had. It was like a weight that sits on top of the weight of grief that you're already carrying. I also had the tough decision of what to do with his cats, both inside and outside. And that was the hardest and it ended up actually causing even more grief. And I had to decide what to do with the house. It probably should be torn down. I mean, I'm still making decisions on all of that. It's only been since July 18th. But then came the bills, you know, so in spite of VA and Medicare decisions were made by air quote professionals that actually made my life harder, but I'm a determined individual and through hard work and research, most are being taken care of, but I'm still in the midst of finishing up a couple more, but the, most of the work is almost done. So you've got all of that. And then you have the normal day to day aftermath of a loved one's death on top of incompetency by those who should know what they're doing on top of making decisions you know that your loved one would probably not want or wouldn't have made, but you know our best or, or most if you know he or she would agree with. So it was all in all, quite frankly, awful. So then in the midst of all that, you got your normal feelings of guilt and uncertainty. You know, I should have brought him home. I should have forced him to go to the doctor sooner. I should have done this or done that. And they're actually all unreasonable ideas um, because no one ever goes through these things to have preparation for it, number one. And number two, how are you supposed to force a Marine to go to the doctor? That's not just not going to happen. But thankfully, my faith in God, my relationship with my dad helped me a lot. But also, and this is important for you guys as well, as I recognize that my brain, like what it was doing, it was trying to tie up loose ends so that I would never feel pain like that again. And because I knew what it was doing, I knew that number one, that was impossible. And number two, uh, to go with the flow and process what I was feeling, acknowledge I was feeling it, but also recognizing what my brain was trying to do and being thankful that my brain was trying to protect me. But I also felt like I was erasing my dad by going through everything and throwing away things. I mean, I had to throw away a lot, unfortunately, furniture and items that were just trash um, due to different things. And my son came to stay with us and uh, helped me for uh, two weeks. And it was really hard. And as far as inheritance, I mean, I really didn't care much about that. I make great money. Um, but I definitely wanted to preserve as much of an inheritance for my son and his family in the future. 
So there are a lot of evaluation, you know, decisions going on. And, um, you know, I wanted to make the best ones that would ensure that in the future. So instead, I focused on those items that meant a lot to my dad and grandparents and my son. So I began carefully selecting and displaying certain objects, which you can see in my Instagram stories, like his revelry horn from the Marine Corps, his trumpet from junior high or high school, his first guitar uh, that my grandmother bought him, his glasses that he wore that were also my grandpa's, a vase that I thought my grandmother would love. Um, tin cups from Texas and other places, an iron horse head that my grandpa loved, old pictures. I mean, because my grandpa and grandma took care of my great grandmother, a lot of the family photos were in their care. So I feel like I get to steward those. And, you know, so I've been going through them, getting uh, separated those I need to send to my cousins or my uh, remaining uncles, um, you know, and then those I'm going to scan in and get everybody copies of. I mean, there's still a lot of work to go on, but you know, just those old pictures, a bookcase that I remember from the time I was you know, little that I found out that my uncle actually built in school. So if he decides he wants it, I've got it and we can get it to him or I have the honor of stewarding that as well. And then just other family items that preserve, preserve my history because one of the surprising emotions on top of, you know, weird feelings of guilt and regret that aren't based in, you know, quite frankly, reality, um, is it's, you feel like you're losing your history when you lose a parent. And, uh, especially when his siblings start dying, I mean, it's a really weird feeling. And if you've ever lost a parent, you know what I'm talking about. I also found my grandparents' marriage certificates, a corncob pipe that I heard stories about, letters my grandmother wrote to my dad when he was in the Marine Corps during Vietnam, my great-grandpa's ship fitter's union card, which I had no idea he was a ship fitter, um, my and my dad's birth card that had our, you know, both of our weight and length, uh, report cards, a record collection. I mean, the list goes on and on. And so all of these treasures are waiting for me to explore when I have the capacity to do so. But right now they just make me sadder. So I'm not ready to go through them. But another surprising emotion I felt was guilt that I was feeling better too quick. It was pretty soon after probably about two to three weeks. And actually it didn't last long. You know, it's like you have a period where you feel better and it can seem too soon, but really your brain's just giving you some relief. And typically you know, you've really not moved on, um, and grief will hit you out of nowhere at times. So don't worry, it's still there to a degree, but that was one of the surprising, um, emotions. I felt like I was feeling better too soon. And, uh, so that was a little bit hard, but the tips I learned, um, that might help you is you will never be ready for loss and you have to be okay with that. I mean, it just doesn't matter how much time you have to quote unquote prepare or how little, both types of death have their pros and cons, and both hurt the end. And number two, find what you take comfort in. For me, it was my work. However, on the flip side, my work could also be a place to hide from grief. So I was very cognizant of that, and I would work but not use it to avoid dealing with my dad's you know, stuff, which leads to the next thing I learned, and that is how do you process grief? So however you normally process grief, Grief, probably just do the opposite. (laughs) So for me, I could go both ways. I could put my head down and just get to work or I could avoid it. So during the first week, I tried to, you know, help my husband begin to go through things, but instead it made me feel worse. 
I would cry uncontrollably and experience even more tragedy by being over there. So my husband basically told me, go home, stay away for a while. And I did. And I felt more able to handle things later, which leads me to the next lesson. That's incorporate self-care. So whether I was needing a break or I was working hard I uh, and working hard, I incorporated self-care. So when my son and I were going through uh, the house, we would work and then we'd stop and we'd wait train, we'd eat out, we'd watch a movie, we'd go for a walk, we would discuss old times. Um, we'd ask each other, how are you? Or we would just share how the entire thing sucked. Um, when my hubby sent me home, <laughs> when I had my breakdown, I did like little tiny projects around the house. Like I'd hang a picture here or there. I'd organize. I'd watch some home improvement and design shows. I'd nap when I could. And I also learned when I wanted to talk about things and when I didn't. And thankfully, I have friends and family that made that decision easy for me and they respected it. So if you tend to avoid dealing with hard things, you probably are going to need to jump in but monitor yourself and do the self-care as needed. If you tend to just jump in and get to work, you need to also monitor and incorporate self-care and do the opposite of, you know, just being a workhorse. You probably need to make sure that you do pause and do some things that are helpful. I also learned what to avoid. So my dad and I both love true crime. We'd read books on it. We'd discuss the cases. He'd tell me, in fact, what cases to avoid because they were so terrible. And then on the road, we'd talk uh, and talk about true crime. I mean, we loved also music. He was in a band in the 60s. And so from the 60s on, we had favorite bands. We'd listen to the music on the road. Uh, I remember going to sleep with him, playing The Ventures or House of the Rising Sun or a Rolling Stone song on his huge amp as a kid. And so at first I avoided certain music and I avoided true crime. I didn't watch any shows or listen to any true crime podcasts until I was able to get my bearings. Now I'm comfortable listening to some podcasts, but I don't watch much on TV still. I'm on that home improvement kick. But I also finally created a a dad music playlist. And it was funny because him and my son would play guitar together and talk about music as well. And I text him and said, hey, do you remember any of the songs that dad liked? He's like, oh, I've got you, you know. So he sends over 90 plus songs on a playlist that he had already created, which I thought was hilarious. And uh, I listened to it the other day when I trained. And at first I was sad. It was a little bit tough, but not that overwhelming sadness where you can't function just like, man, I wish you was here. And I know this is a normal part of living on the planet, but it really, really sucks. Uh, but then I was intrigued and kind of laughing out loud on some of the songs that he liked that I wasn't aware of. <laughs> so that was really neat. Um, and so, you know, I mean, I just learned to be careful and especially the movies I watched, uh, recently, a couple weekends ago, me and my husband watched the movie dog, which was great. Um, but it had a military funeral and just the overall sadness of the dog situation actually made me and him both feel worse. So, um, be very careful what you watch, what you listen to, what you read. Uh, you don't want to trigger unnecessary, uh, sadness. And then finally think strategically. I made the mistake of not doing that last weekend. You know, my dad had lots and lots of cats. He absolutely loved cats. I do too. 
Um, he had three cats he called his little orphans. Um, one my husband and I helped rescue, and we call her grandkitty. And then she had a litter, and so two daughters are still with her, and we have her only son, which he's a favorite. His name's Joseph, and he has a Instagram account, Mr. underscore Joseph underscore underscore cat, or you can see him sometimes on my IG. Um, but uh, my cousin wanted an indoor kitty, and these had never been outside except the one time grandkitty snuck out and got knocked up. But she picked the one she wanted, and so I drove her new cat over to her town, which is about 90 miles away, and the entire thing was sad. I mean, giving away one of his cats, her being in a kennel on the way over, meowing, leaving her, all the uncertainty of, will she be okay? Will they get along? Will she be a good cat? But on top of that, I had not been to the house um, since my aunt died. It was her house that she owned with my uncle and she was a favorite aunt. And I just did not take that into consideration. So they're trying to have small talk and catch up. And I literally just break down crying at the dining room table. It was all overwhelming. And again, I felt like my entire history was being erased. My dad and his siblings dying is just not easy. And I miss seeing really how sad the entire thing was going to be. And I didn't prepare ahead of time. And that's what I mean by thinking strategically, you know, assess something like that beforehand and either recognize it's going to be tough and that's okay, or take measures to uh, lessen the impact if possible. So in summary, you're going to feel things you've never felt before. You're going to want to avoid pain at all costs. You will feel paralyzed at times. You'll feel regret and guilt at times, but give yourself grace. This is not easy. And if you know that one day you will experience loss in this level, I highly recommend doing things now that will keep regret at a bare minimum later. Like visit that person regularly without impatience or dread. Make decisions that you'll be proud of later. Answer those phone calls and tell yourself, even though I'm right in the middle of something and they're calling, they're going to be gone one day and I need to treasure this time. I did that with my grandpa before he died and it helped me a lot after he passed. Life is precious and it's short. Live it well, live it authentically, and you will not have any regret in that. It is time for some real talk. Does your brand feel like it's a bunch of puzzle pieces that you've tried to make fit? When you look at it, does it clearly and beautifully and professionally communicate who you are and your brand's message? If not, I've got something that might help you. I created a brand personality quiz a few months ago what? You, you didn't know about it? Well, this quiz takes maybe five minutes and it will show you which of the 12 brand personalities you are. And I have to say, you're welcome. So after you take the quiz, use the helpful information and the tips you get to flesh out your brand in a more cohesive way and all of your digital and printed material. Let me make it plain. If you get your brand right, you will make more money. And your brand personality is what makes you irresistible. It helps you find your tribe and your tribe find you. So go to sherryannwilson.com forward slash brand dash quiz and get started. I hope today's podcast gave you some actionable wisdom that you can do immediately for your business. I've got a lot more free training on my website at sherryannwilson.com. Sherry with an I and with an E. But before you go, please leave a kind review of this podcast. It's like giving me a hug in podcast world.
Work Your Biz Like a Boss is a Mr. Joseph production. What do you think, Joseph?